Welcome to this audio recording by the World Affairs Council of Dallas-Fort Worth. I'm Jim Falk, President of the Council. We are a nonprofit, nonpartisan organization dedicated to promoting public awareness of global issues and the ways in which they affect the Dallas-Fort Worth region. Become a member today at dfwworld.org and help us connect North Texas with the world. This podcast is made possible through the generous support of Haynes & Boone, LLP. We hope you enjoy it. Well, I thank you from the bottom of my heart. It's, it's a very great honor, not least because World Affairs Council followed. Uh, never thought I'd end up speaking. You're a, you're a class act. I love it that you have the sort of outreach programs that enabled me to <clears throat> meet those young high school students. Uh, this afternoon I learned a lot more of them than they probably learned from me. And I love it that you're here, that you're not, you know, inside the Beltway or... <clears throat> somewhere on the Upper West Side, but we won't go there. Um, yes, and, and and this point about about the seventh inning, um, uh, we'll try our best. If someone, you know, instead of this sort of five minutes before the end, but but there's a complicated, there's a structural inappropriateness here because, you know, apart from the Jesuits who taught me to read and these two lovely daughters, the greatest influence in my life is Liverpool Football Club, which was sold by Texans over the last couple of days, few days to the Boston Red Sox, and this is where you're going to have to call security because in my American life, I had many happy years in New York and confessed to having been a season ticket holder uh, watching a team that is not particularly popular in Texas right now. So we have all sorts of complications. Let me, if I may, take you in your mind's eye to the <coughs> frayed edges of Ciudad Juarez, which is now the most dangerous city in the world, competing with Caracas, um, and way ahead of Kandahar, Baghdad, and places where wars are, as it were, officially being fought. Um, it's just after dawn, and what in the book I call the procession of the possessed is on its way for its bi-weekly walk. It's the high point of, or well, they are the high points of the week for these, these poor folks. And they go down the road, they're jerking like marionettes, and they've completely lost their minds, all of them. There is Marisol, who used to be a pole dancer in a club that the American visitors, as well as the local Mexicans, used to like watching. She's a crackhead, was a crackhead, is a complete lunatic. There's another guy going along with his diaper, flapping around uh, in his not-so-private parts. Uh, they're all spotting things in mid-distance. They either scream or laugh. They're gone. They're lost. They go on their three-kilometer walk uh, to nowhere and back, and at the front is a man called Pastor José Antonio Galvan. He looks rather splendid. He's got his pants tucked into his boots. He's got a staff to give him a sort of biblical effect, um, but a rather incongruous 50s coif uh, hairdo. He was himself a gang fighter in Juarez and in El Paso before he was deported, became a drug addict, converted, and now runs one, uh, this, one of many of these extraordinary institutions in Ciudad Juarez for the few who have made a decision or for whom a decision has been made to try and get out of this absolute nightmare. I'd spent the night there because 
um, I wanted to know who was there and why, because one of the things that's happening is that every now and then in these rehabilitation centers, death squads arrive and mow down, murder the people who are in there, the poor souls who are trying to raise themselves from this hell of drug addiction. Um, who, who are these people who are doing this? We don't know. My dear friend, a photographer, Julian Cardona, had been only a couple of days beforehand into another place called the Anexo de Vida, the Annex of Life, only there wasn't mucho vida in there because 13 people had been likewise murdered and all we saw was the blood that was still sticky underfoot and the boot prints in the dust of the killers. Uh, evidence enough for anyone who was serious about finding them, but the problem is nobody is serious about finding them. So that's Juarez. And I wanted to know what on earth, what on earth is going on. Um, I think that journalists who talk too much about themselves should be sort of sent to the Hague and tried for something, to be honest. <laughs> Some, but um, I, I, didn't, I never wanted to be a war correspondent. I, uh, I hate war. Um, that's why I write about it. Um, I was sent to Rome in 1990 and told to keep an eye on Yugoslavia. I thought, well, this is the Dolce Vita, until I ended up spending three years in Sarajevo keeping an eye on my, roof, my rooftop terrace in Rome that I hardly ever sat on. When I got to the United States, I thought, right, that's enough of that. Um, and then, uh, uh, as was mentioned this afternoon, uh, the vile Mr. Mohammed Atta and his team arrived one fine sunny morning just a few blocks above where I was living in New York City. And the next thing I knew... Uh, instead of enjoying my Dolce Vita in Greenwich Village, I was back in Fallujah, um, where I'd been <laughs> a few years before. So I don't choose this. It's a, um, and, um, but I did then uh, go down to cover a story, uh, and this book was never intended to be about, about, about the people living in the Anexo de Vida, where there is no Vida any longer. Uh, I went out to do a story in uh, Nuevo Laredo, in Laredo, during that window that people will recall uh, in the early months of the presidency of, of, of George W. Bush when he was of a mind to allow the Mexican truckers into and across the United States. Um, it's an idea that was fairly quickly scotched after Mr. Atta and his vile team visited New York. Um, and one wonders why he had ever had it, actually. But um, it is still talked about avidly at every truck stop in Mexico um, uh, of people who just can't wait to, <laughs> to drive their trucks with all the hours God gives around the United States. Um, and I was fascinated by this place, not by a war, but by this place. And I'm going to just, in a way, start here because we're going to end here. This extraordinary phenomenon, this, this, this wonderful terrain, which I then uh, decided I would call one day a Mexico, long before any of this violence began, or in earnest at least, um, porous and harsh, uh, where these, that belongs to both these countries but neither in some way, which enriches the traditions of both of them in so many ways, um, full of contrasts. Um, I loved the, the, the deep religiosity and the spirituality of the place that coexisted with its libido and its sensuality. I loved the way in which its sort of bright and lambent colors uh, combined with that thing about Mexico, you never quite know where the bottom is and the shadows are rather dark. Um, it's a fascinating, intriguing place. It's a place you, it's, it's either, either you, look, you, look, you look once and run or you fall in love at first sight. 
it, it has proved to be uh, a fairly perilous love affair. Um, the second time story I went back, and then I decided one day I will write a book about this place, and it wasn't going to be about a war. It was actually going to be about trucks and truckers and trade. It's um, a frontier that's all about contradiction. It is now fences, censors, border patrol, National Guard, needs must. They're there for a reason. And, um, but it is also a border across which a million people a day cross to go shopping, uh, to visit relatives, to go to school. The turnstiles between Mexicali and Calexico is click, clunk, click, clunk all day with school children. And it was interesting to say that today to those, to those children, you know, people your age, they, 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 they wake up in Mexico, they, they go to class in the United States, and they go back to Mexico again. Um, quite sure how the school district works, though, I don't know, but that's what happens. Uh, perhaps off the record, right? <laughs> um, uh, families calculate that the, that the sofa the set uh, will cost you uh, less at the HEB in Matamoros than it will at Brownsville, but the TV is a better value in, in Brownsville, so they, they, uh, they budget that way. That's the reality of the border. Precious, precious place. Um, so let's... Uh, then I went down to do the, the so-called feminocidio. Uh, uh-oh, this, isn't, this is a different story now. The mass abduction, mutilation, violation, and murder of young women, mostly factory girls, for apparently purely recreational, um, and uh, uh, those of you with faith would say, you know, satanic, absolutely satanic murders dumped in the desert. Games played. They would change the clothes around so that the mothers would get confused when they were called to identify the bodies. And at some point, some twist was happening. All my attempts to, 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 to have the Dolce Vita in Rome, I end up in concentration camp in Bosnia. <laughs> uh, I, I, I can't leave this. Um, the, 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 the causes are long and deep, and we won't have time to go into them all. But what I did was uh, to, 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 to go to do two, length, two trips on the length of the border, from the Pacific edge where the sun sets into the sea between Tijuana and San Diego to the Gulf, Brownsville and Matamoros. Um, one in 2008, uh, which was about five to 6,000 miles, and then last year again an 11,000 miles loop to loop. It's not the same. <clears throat> um, in Tijuana, when you read those headlines about cartel wars for the trafficking corridors into the United States, that does roughly describe the situation. When you get into the deserts of Sonora and Arizona, we all know the story about uh, the, the, the migrations and the, and the deaths in the desert. What, I, what was interesting to me was the way in which the narco cartels are now taking over this business. Um, and it's very complicated because you can talk to people and they will say things. I want in this book, I, I sort of, you know, I don't agree with... I disagree and don't agree with everybody in, on anybody in this book. It's, 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 it's faces and places, mostly. It's, it's all these themes I'm discussing tonight are riptides that run beneath it. And we just meet people along the way. Um, but somebody said, um, but yes, well, the, the, the cartels have taken it over. Claro, it costs more. Um, but the women keep their honor, and there are fewer robberies. And then, of course, we opened our newspapers just recently to find that um, some people in Tamaulipas at the other end of the border had refused to pay the little bit extra, and they were all summarily executed, all 72 of them. Then we hit Juarez. Um, Juarez is not the same as everywhere else. 
Juarez is a case of its own, and it's a place that one could only really come to learn by being there, and that's um, that's that's fairly terrifying. But let's say first of all this. Um, Juarez Market is a wonderful place. Sarah Brightman came to sing in Ciudad Juarez last year, as if the place hadn't suffered enough already. That's off the record. Um, but uh, life goes on. Uh, they're, they're, they, they, they do street racing, a la, a la Bruce Springsteen, to get the sparks off the road. Life goes on. Uh, and, and the funny thing about places like Juarez is that, and, um, again, it's a double. Uh, the more horribly claustrophobic this war gets, the more the space feels so wonderful, the, 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 the eternal sky of the desert, uh, the, the, the more that the values are perver- uh, perverted, so the everyday becomes more valuable, the vernacular becomes more valuable. Weirdly, the, the welcome gets warmer, the ready smile more winning. But in Juarez, we have something... Uh, which is beyond all the headlines about uh, cartels fighting for, for smuggling corridors in, into the United States. It's an implosion, a complete implosion. Um, uh, the narco cartel is in many ways a grotesque pastiche of another, any other corporation. And like other corporations, they have outsourced. They have outsourced to the street gangs. Uh, in as much as you have to now compete for the tender to clean the streets of a city rather than be directly employed to do so, the street gangs compete for the tender to serve the cartels. There's only one way you compete as a street gang. You show that you're that much more vicious than the other street gang. Most of the killing in Juarez now is of malandros, petty criminals, People sleeping in the rehab centers, goodness know why. Uh, this is the, uh, we can go into that in, in, in discussion later if you think I have, I, there are ideas as to why. And um, battle for the street corner, for the domestic plaza. Uh, one of the taboos in Mexico and, uh, and a matter of uh, less attention than I think it warrants in, in the United States for reasons that are, that could and should be empathetic, but also for selfish reasons too, or rather reasons of, of, of the security of this country, is that northern Mexico is awash with drugs. Now, the levels of addiction to hard drugs in the Mexican border towns has reached catastrophic levels. Um, and um, that man, that pastor leading that procession, said of his, of his project, Visione Nazione, he said, said, uh, this is the human junkyard. I, I use this as a, as a chapter heading, the human junkyard. We're the, the, here in this place, I have the junk. I have the, the, the people that, that, that fell through the bottom of the bottom of society. But then he said, as we, as we, as we left, actually, no, in here, uh, if you've got your diaper flapping around and you've lost your head and you're never going to get it back, you can't remember who you are, where you were born, who your parents were, um, y- we, we look after you, we pray. We'll give you a hug. We may have to lock you up to stop you killing somebody, but, but we'll, we'll look after you. He said, he said, out there is the human junkyard, back in the city where you're going. Um, so uh, can I introduce you to, as it were, a character called Alfredo Aguilar. He was a street fighter, a gang fighter that I met in, in a place called Riveros del Bravo. Um, you can see Texas from the end of his street. Um, he lives or lived about 500 yards from your great state of Texas. Um, all the houses there are now empty. Uh, in the pla- Rivers del Bravo was built on a marsh. Why they built it there, I just don't know. Juarez is like a fan 
Well, there are theories as to why it was built there. The land happened to be owned by somebody who must remain nameless, who was very close to the politicians in Juarez who awarded the contract, who should probably remain nameless for legal reasons. It's like a fan, though. There are bus routes going like this to the center, but there's nothing to connect the various outlying places. There is no secondary school in Rebelstil Bravo. So once you reach the edge of elementary school, if you ever went there, that's it. Um, this is the point at which, um, you know, I must be careful because uh, uh, Charles Bowden and I sort of, you know, I mean, he, he appeals to something that sort of, you know, sounds like socialism. I'm appealing to something that's, that's, that is, is more to do with sort of Victorian patrician uh, uh, in, in industrial management, really. Um, it is ridiculous to say that the drug war is caused by the, the, the Machiladora system, the network of factories that are built over the other side of the border, the necklace along the borderline of bonded, duty-free factories. But it is inseparable in many ways from the demise or the, or the, or the, or the, or the, or the gradual closing of the Machiladoras. What has happened in Rivers del Bravo is that the, uh, all these people who lived there worked in the Machilas is that once they started going to Asia, people started losing their jobs. And uh, we must remember that although those wages are uh, miserably low by American standards, culpably low by American standards in my view, they are, they are, they are good serious money by the standards of, of many places in the Mexican interior. So these cities, especially Juarez and Reynosa, had burgeoned, but because of the innate corruption in the, in, in the cities uh, themselves, no infrastructure had been built to house or properly light them, apart from these little infonavit boxes that some of you may have seen, um, and let alone any attempt to, to, to educate their children. The problem with an area that's awash with drugs is that there are always going to be jobs going. Unlike other deindustrialized parts of the world, like <coughs> South Wales, where my father comes from, and Merseyside, where my mother is from, where there is a different kind of wretchedness and there is no work, there is work. And so drug addiction starts to become an economic activity. You can buy some drugs, you cut, you sell. And then you get the tap on the shoulder. Hey, Hugo, you can earn a little bit more if you just uh, maybe up, up, up from this, this kind of drug to that sort of drug. And, well, you know, my cousin's kidding out a car. You just have to drive it down to Presidio, to, to Ojinaga, and through to Presidio, and uh, they know it's coming, they'll wave you through. Um, and then it gets to kidnapping, and then it gets to killing. And the reason why so many people are being killed in northern Mexico is because so many people are being paid to kill, and they're not being paid to kill very much. And, and uh, you know, I, I'm not going to say that, that, that like, like, you know, you know I, I'm not going to be, I don't want to sound like Chomsky, I hate Chomsky, uh, but you know, there is, this is where the, the responsibility uh, does, you know, begin, where in a way one does wish that, that these, the employers in these places had a little bit of the old Victorian 19th century British and American uh, concept of some sort of responsibility towards the workforce and the place they live, because to up and run to Asia, leaving them behind, is producing a catastrophe, not only for Mexico, but for the United States. Once you leave Juarez, you drive through some of the most beautiful country on earth. This is what's so weird about the border. <laughs> you, you come out, you collapse by the, by the... I was saying the book.
Africa. I've always wondered who those people were who, you know, lie next to a pool next to an interstate, you know, watching the hardworking people change the sheets. And it doesn't look very relaxing, but when you've been in Juarez, it's great. Um, you drive through some of the most beautiful uh, country on earth, some of it in your great state, and rather more nervously, some of it in Chihuahua. And you arrive in a, a different sort of economic model altogether, the Zeta country. The Zeta country has not imploded. Uh, the, uh, the cartel as a, pasti- as a pastiche of the corporation has not collapsed. The Zetas love to talk about themselves, but they don't want anybody else to mention their name. So people talk about, ooh, the, the last letter of the alphabet, or just la lettera. By the time you get to, to, to Nuevo Laredo, which is the busiest border crossing on earth commercially, and it is utterly surreal. Here's Laredo, famous for a cowboy song. And, uh, and here's Nuevo Laredo, didn't even like the streets until recently. And you tell yourself that, <laughs> that 40% of the trade crossing the border is coming through here. Uh, uh, this is, you know, uh, uh, another day of NAFTA. And it was, for me, it was, you know, it was, well, here we go, back, back 10 years on, and I'm back at 26. The, to, call it, to call 26 a, a truck stop is hardly to do it justice. Um, what is it? It's a, it's a, it's a pill-popping... Um, never mind the rest, I'll leave it to your imagination. Um, uh, and you're in Laredo, but there, um, in the busiest border crossing on in the world, where even the Nuevo Laredo representative at the, uh, at, the, at the city hall in Laredo, Texas, they have quite a good diplomatic system there, even he estimates that 3% is contraband. That's a hell of a lot. We're talking about $150 billion worth of trade, and 3% of that is contraband. In Nuevo Laredo, the newspaper cannot report anything. A police chief was, uh, who was unaffiliated to the cartels took office and seven hours later was killed. The, the paper would say nothing. The Zetas attacked the offices, um, and uh, the publisher, a man called Ramon Cantu, uh, nice guy, a bit of a sort of rake. Uh, you can imagine him sort of enjoying life better in sort of late 19th century Mexico than now. Um, he, 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 he defends himself against these sort of idiots who come down from New York and say, hey, why aren't you telling the truth and speaking out? He says, well, b- because I have, I had, the last time it happened, uh, I had two reporters on my social circuit covering a couple of weddings and they were kidnapped and the Zeta simply said, um, silence, please. Um, uh, so well, this isn't a, supposed to be a sort of tour of the border, but, the, but, but, but Zeta land takes you to the sea. Um, as you so rightly said, sir, um, the thing about these criminal organizations that have remained intact is that they start to condemn themselves to respectability. Um, uh, there has been a sort of quantum leap in, 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 in if you like, the sort of narco-genealogy uh, my least favorite film is The Godfather uh, because I can't stand this idea of the sort of the gentleman Don and, uh, uh, and the, the well-mannered, educated mafioso scumbag who's you know, selling heroin to half the United States. Um, but the, the, tru- the, the same was true in, 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 in Mexico. There was a man called Felix Gallardo who was the sort of Don who maintained something called, which in Italy would be called the Pax Mafiosa, the Mafia's Peace 
whereby everybody knows their place, the narcos know their place in respect to each other, the, uh, the, the, the politicians know their place with respect to the narco, um, and you light the village and you give flowers to the children and, 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 and presents on, on Mother's Day and all that sort of thing. These new guys, they don't do anybody that. They don't want to talk to politicians. It's a waste of time. They'd rather, they'd rather tell the politician what to do and go to a martial arts class. Uh, they've abandoned the fedora for the buzz cut and the tattoo. Um, and, but these guys are richer than any Don ever was, and their children will probably end up going to business school. Um, and and that's, the, that, that's the truth of it. Um, I, we won't go on for too much longer. Another five or so, and then open. Yeah. Um, just a couple of thoughts. Uh, this isn't a, a pointy-headed book at all, and it's very kind of you as a sort of policy uh, institute to invite me along at all, because I, I don't really do policy. I sort of you know, sleep in rehab clinics and, um, and sort of sit in bars and watch and listen. Um, but <coughs> a couple of th- ideas came to me as, as I went along. Journalism, uh, I think Christopher Columbus should be the sort of patron explorer, saint of journalism. You go looking for India, you find America. Never, ne- ne- never know the story because it, because, it, because it will tell you before you, when you finished it. Um, it it's a, this is a war about nothing. And that was what really frightened me. All those wars of the 19th century up until 1918 were about empire or <coughs> empire in some form or other. Um, the wars of the 20th century were about ideology, however crazy. We had a surge of a wars at the end of the 20th century between Hutus fighting Tutsis, Serbs fighting Croats, and now we're stuck with a war between our, the values of our democracies in the West and the, the uh, so-called religious this war is about absolutely nothing. Some people say it's about money. But there's not much money to be made in going in and killing a bunch of kids in a rehab clinic. They say it's about smuggling. Um, I learned on the road that very few of the deaths are actually uh, for the plazas into the United States. Um, uh, uh, I hope we can have something called Chatham House Rules um, uh, Institute for International Relations in London is based on called Chatham House, which means you know what I'm saying, but, but I didn't tell you. Um, Philip, uh, President Felipe Calderon's sort of gatekeeper called Alejandro de Soto told me, quote, the fight is not against drugs, it is against the violence. Um, they, 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 the, the, um, it, it, this war isn't about smuggling. It, it's, it's, it's about nothing. There was a man in, in, in Reynosa very brave man called Mario Trevino, who even after reading the chapter in which he's mentioned, uh, uh, signed it off and said, yes, you know, to hell with them, keep my name on it. And I do hope I don't get a terrible email one day. Um, and um, he said this. He said, they're revolting people. And what they're really doing this for is because last year I had this T-shirt that cost me $200 and it was a, it was a Nike and now I've got to have this other brand T-shirt because I can't be seen in the same T-shirt two years running and I, if I don't have that application on my mobile phone then the chica who went out with Ugo who has got that application might not want to go out and, and it's, it's that banal and when he was saying this I thought for a minute Mario, nah, come on this is, we've got to be a little bit more macro and I thought, nah, what if he's right um, that this is you know, we do live in this, in this, in this sort of post-political, post-moral world, uh, in which uh, um, the brand is everything, and that can be interpreted in a, in a, in, 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 in a, a normal 
society as having a useful application for your mobile phone. But in a place like that, um, it becomes a form of kudos that starts to sort of peacock walk its way in a grotesquely perverted way. It's a war really about nothing. And that, I think, was the most terrifying sort of realization that I had, a, a post-moral, post-ideological war. What can be done? The problem is, you know, I don't know, but, but, but this is the organization it is, and, and it's a cop-out not to come up with a couple of ideas. I think one, of, one thing is there is something happening that's interesting, and it's this kind of slightly pop-moral, often rather annoying, sort of touchy-feely thing that's called ethical consumerism. You know, people sort of worrying about, you know, whether the, where the frappuccino came from, and is, you know, am I eating a sort of ethically, ethically grown salad or whatever. It, this, this is quite interesting. Um, and, um, you know, there it is. You have coffee chains competing with each other for who has the sort of happiest Indonesians making your latte mocha or whatever. Um, and um, I think, but weirdly, drugs is completely outside this lexicon. Um, nobody stops to, to, to say, um, you know, how many lives just went up the supermodel's nose. Uh, we don't talk about drugs in that way. And, and one of the things I wanted to sort of say to, the, to, the, to, to the, 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 these, these young people today was st- start thinking about drugs in the same language as you think about your frappuccino. Or, you know, we, 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 you know it, this, this is, I think, a way to go. It's, 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 it's something we could do. Um, there's, there's, there's all this discussion, which we could go on all night, so let's just, let's just talk about it briefly, about legalization and prohibition. Um, I can sort of feel a zeitgeist uh, coming at us uh, of, of more and more voices, including even law enforcement officers, not just old hippies, saying that we should, we should, we should uh, legalize drugs. Um, uh, we can discuss this when we get sort of, you know, closer to the, to the, thir- to the third inning. But, um, but um, for the record... Uh, I think it would be a catastrophe. I, I, I think there is a um, there is a, uh, uh, a complete misunderstanding as to why people take drugs. Yes, it's true that uh, a small minority of wealthy people may take drugs to make the party go with a, with a bang. Um, uh, the old hippies take drugs because they think it makes the Grateful Dead sound better. Some people take drugs; it makes them feel horny. But most people take drugs because. Because of misery, deprivation, self-destruction, destruction, and poverty, um, and this is in a way connects up, I think, to the point about deindustrialization. Um, you know, it, it, this book is, is is about Mexico. It's about the border, and, and the United States side of the border. But you know, my dad comes from South, which was the coal mine of Europe, and life was tough, and your adhesive was mine. Union, choir, chapel. That's how it was. And you've got dust in your lungs. But you could walk the streets at night. South Wales is now the heroin capital of Europe, the teen suicide capital of Europe. It's uh, the lowest property values in Europe, lower than Bucharest, lower than most parts of, of, of cities that were communist until recently. Uh, my mother's from Merseyside, the port in Europe. I remember being on my grandfather's shoulders, watching the ships go down the ramp. The whole city was out. They would deck her bows in flowers and crack champagne. It's all gone. Liverpool's a shell. And this is, this, this is what Mexico will become. People take drugs 
to because of the the misery that that generates. And I think that to legalize it would be would be catastrophic. Do we want our kids to go and buy crystal meth at Walgreens? No. And and those people who who go on about legalization, uh, I, I you know I, I don't know how they get around that 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 problem. It's an insanity. If um, if uh, the federal government were to regulate a version of methamphetamine, which costs $5 a hit and screws your brain up 75%, what's to stop the Zetas coming along with another brand of methamphetamine, which is going to screw your brain up 99% for $150 a hit? Of course, that's who these people are. Um, and that's what will, that's what will happen. Um, uh, lastly, um, uh, uh, follow the money. Um, Hundreds of billions of dollars a year. There, that money is not going around in semi-trucks uh, being spent on tattoo parlors and being laundered into brothels or, or whatever's being told. Uh, I've talked to the FBI in Houston, uh, 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 and I've talked to many other people. There was a trial in Miami earlier in the year. Chatham House rules, please. Um, a bank settled with the government for failing to monitor 110 million that was that was directly tied to a couple of cocaine busts um, involving the the the, uh, the, 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 the the killing of some people too. But they also had failed to monitor 460 billion dollars of money coming in through Casas de Cambio in Mexico. Um, I, and this really has to be Chatham House rules, I, I know the whistleblower. Um, he's a police officer, he's a friend of mine, um, who was working in that, inside that story. He's on, he's on the last page. Um, I do, I'm afraid, find it repellent. In fact, uh, uh, and as a Catholic, I don't use the word lightly, I find it a, 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 a terrible sin that the prophets, the vast, vast prophets, prophets of, the, of this filth, which is um, you know going up the noses of the rich and putrefying the veins and brains of the young are swimming around the, 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 the banking system. Um, if we follow the money, we'll shut it down. Giovanni Falcone, the great anti-mafia judge in Sicily, was blown up. Not because he banged away 317 mafiosi, which he did. He was killed because he started putting names to numbers in Zurich. Why should we care? And this is the last card. <laughs> well, you should care, and we won't go into the great thing about you know, why we should care about Rwanda and because of our fellow man and all that. You should care uh, because the border is a half a day's drive away. Uh, uh, so far, luckily this is made of wood, uh, a combination of much more, much greater efficacy by the United States than I think the United States is credited for, actually. The border has not yet crossed uh, sorry, the violence has not yet crossed the border in quite the way that Barry McCaffrey very understandably predicted it would. We have not yet seen uh, a, a massive flow of, of refugees and no number of censors or, or, or hard-pressed Border Patrol agents is going to stop uh, the flow if it, if it ever does start, if, if it gets as, as bad as it could be. Um, but but uh, you should care... Uh, and we should all care. Anyone who loves America as, 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 as much as you or I do should care, um, you know, be, because this will become an issue of national security. You, you have a catastrophe 
on on your border. These places are ten. I mean, Ciudad Juarez is ten minutes walk from downtown El Paso. Um, they, they, we, we are looking now to build a second corridor, uh, 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 which is which you know would be a wonderful thing for Texas up the uh, Reynosa Macallan. Um, uh, line to, to complement that coming up from Los Dos Laredos. You, you can't have that corridor contaminated 3% hard drugs. Um, that, that's, that's a good, that's reason enough to care. Um, but, but what I was trying to say to, to the school children today, uh, and, and it's very good that, that, that you've come, high school students and students, thank you, is this, and it's back to the beginning. It's back to my love of the border. It's such a wonderful place. I mean, I'm sure there are many people in this room who know how what fun it is to, to, to go down to Mexico. I love that gruffle. I, I live in, in Tucson uh, uh, for as much of the year as I can, and I love that term, old Mexico. It, it has a sort of rough affection about it. Um, it's great to go down to old Mexico. And they didn't all just go to do terrible things to little girls. They went to go get their teeth fixed. People like to go driving to see Copper Canyon, to have fun. Uh, uh, there's a wonderful song by Tom Russell called um, Everything's Gone Straight to Hell Since Sinatra Played Juarez. It's a great song. And it's about getting your Chevy tuck and roll. It's about going to the dog track. It's wonderful to have Mexico around. And it's great for Mexico to have the United States around, not just to sneak through the desert and pick fruit or, or kill rancher Krentz and all the ghastly things that, that, that have happened. No, because, because these two countries bring out the best in each other. The eccentricities, the, the I mean, the, the word frontier in, in American English instead of English English is a, it has a connotation of adventure to it. And in Mexico, it's just the same, la frontera. Uh, uh, Texas had Billy the Kid they've got El Zorro, it's the same guy um, wouldn't it be awful wouldn't it just be awful if the bequest of our generation to our children's generation was that they would be the first in the history of the United States of America Mexico let alone the Republic of Texas not to be able to love savor, cross that border that's why we should care Thank you so much. We're not going to let you go that easily. We will take some questions. Um, first question is from Quinion at WH Ford High School, and I think it's a very strong one, and you touched on it, but you really didn't get to the root of the, give the, the complete answer. If you were in the Mexican government, what would you do differently than what they're doing right now? Well, thank you. You got me there. Um, Mexican government faces a terrible choice. Um, and neither are, <coughs> are, are an option that approaches a solution. You can either return to the Pax Mafiosa, which means that the violence stops and the, and the killing stops, and you allow a cartel to restore the people. That would be the Sinaloa cartel, and there are people uh, who have that plan. Well, that's too late now because the Zetas have decided that if you do that, they'll have, a, they'll have a narco revolution. The other is to carry on as is and just keep 
piling in the army at it. But this is proving to have a bit like Newton's cradle, those things. <laughs> the harder you... I mean, the, Juarez, the advance in Juarez has got up uh, since the army arrived and increases with the arrival of reinforcements. Um, there are people, I'm not necessarily one of them, who think that it's uh, because of the army. Um, I think you need to, they need to do, I mean, if, if I was in the Mexican government, thank God I'm not, um, is purge, and really purge. Um, purge, with, uh, purge the political system. Um, uh, purge the police. Uh, don't just um, uh, appoint yet another politically affiliated. The, the, the system of patronage lives on. Um, I think we all sort of were conned into thinking, well, I wasn't actually, but uh, you know, there was too much of this, you know, just because Vincente Fox wasn't pre and just because he'd worked for Coca-Cola and just because he sort of looked good in a boardroom that somehow this was going to, this patronage was going to end. Um, it, it, th- th- they've got to do um, something approaching what President Uribe did in, in, in Colombia. He was very, very tough indeed. Um, they've got to uh, start putting the right, people in jail. They've got to do a couple of other things like um, end some of these crazy agreements that the United States has gone into whereby they have to, they have, they have, they have to tell who they, the Americans have to tell the government who their informers are? Um, what? You're telling the cartels, as, as, as a man in my book says, a wonderful guy called Lee Morgan Jr. says you're like the only guy sitting there at the poker table with your, with your blindfolded with your, with, your, with, your, uh, with your cards facing up. Um, they've got to I'm not convinced that they have been so far. Well, you said something that the fellow from NPR said a few days ago, that the media cannot report what's occurring because if they do, then they'll be killed, or a cartel will go to an editor and say that this person was killed, even if it was by, by this cartel when it wasn't that cartel, just so that person would get caught and be put in prison. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm sorry. But they've got, they, 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 they've got to end. I mean, in, in, in Reynosa, everybody knows it, um, it, uh, the 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 PRI, the, 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 the PRI is the party of the Gulf Cartel. This is, we are off the record, aren't we? Yeah, and and, and Pan is 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 the party of um, of the other guys. Uh, um, it, you, you have to stop this. And I'm not trying to say yeah, that politics is so squeaky clean in my country. They're all fiddling their expenses all the bloody time, and they're spending every penny I own on on you know bailing out the Royal Bank of Scotland. You know, this is politics. But but you know, but Mexico does have this in extremists, um, and you know, it can be done. It can be done. Um, uh, some of those countries in Eastern Europe inherited grotesque systems of patronage that they from the from the communist parties. Um, some continue operating it, like Romania, Czech Republic doesn't, Poland doesn't. You, you can break with this if you really want to, and I think they can. Let's take some questions from the floor. Yes, sir. Uh, oh, we have a microphone. We're podcasting tonight, thanks to Haynes and Boone. Uh, do you see uh, Mexico in this situation that uh, many other countries have been? Uh, Iraq, uh, many of the learned, wealthy people had an opportunity to get out. They got out. They're sitting in Jordan, living there. Uh, Lebanon earlier. Everybody left. Somalia, earlier left. Do you see, I see some people from Mexico, I've been reading about some of the higher officials are sending their families back to the United States. Do you see this as a continuing thing? 
Yes, and thank you for raising it, I, uh, um, because I should have mentioned it, and it was actually a bit that they cut out of the book. Um, yes, it, it's, it's, it, I mean, that's the sort of secondary calamity, um, uh, the, the, the gutting of your intelligentsia, the gutting of anyone who's got the money to get out. Um, the, the one, uh, uh, and anyone can, is, um, the one caveat to that is that I think the Iraqis who have gone to Jordan or gone to Lebanon to get, to get the hell out of it, have left. They've, they've upped and gone. Um, they may you know, go back and visit Grandma, but, but that's it. Um, the, 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 the thing about the book is that what you can do is commute. <laughs> because a Mexica is a Mexica, you can keep your family on one side and, and go back to work. And quite a lot of that's happening at Chula Vista and National City, uh, south of San Diego, are basically dormitory towns for Tijuana. Um, you 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 put your kids in, in, in Montgomery High School in Chula Vista, uh, or is it you know, whichever it is, the elementary school, and you continue to go back and work as a manager for op- Office Depot um, in Tijuana, and you and you come back at night. It can be done, and and that is happening actually, um, and it's also happening between McAllen and Reynosa. Um, of course. You, you, Quite rightly, and thanks for raising it, many will just sort of up stumps and, and, and resettle in Canada or Chicago or Carolinas or wherever um, and, and offer their expertise there. But people will commute. You know, we'll have, you know, I'm not going to write part two for this. I'm too exhausted. But, you know, if anyone ever does, there will be a little, it'll be a lot of commuting going on. Do you think that the upcoming generations will swap their Mexican culture with the drug cartel life? Will they lose all sense of a civilized way of life? Yes. (laughs) Sorry. No, that was was, was rude. It wasn't intended to be impolite. Yes, they will, because because this 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 knows no bottom. There is, I mean, what I've I've deliberately not talked about about the nature of the violence but but it is becoming inventively perverse i mean you know and um you now prove your mettle among your peers uh, by by uh by telling the other lot that we can flay a person's face and tie it to a soccer ball and they'll the next lot will have to come up with something else yes um this is the anti-civilization in every every way we understand the term and if if if, if mexican there's a woman, by the way, in Altar, which is the hub for the for the migration in the western half into Arizona, in, in Sonora. And she's a wonderful woman, stood to be the mayor on a kind of anti-narco, anti-corruption ticket, lost. And she said something I'll never forget, which was terrifying. She said, I got the old vote. I got the old folks. The young people don't like me. They're quite happy with this. It's, an, it's opportunities. Um, and she used to say that when she used to go camping on the radio, that her movements and stuff, and it's just utterly depressing. Um, um, having said that, you know it's, it's it's the materialist war. It's being opposed by the churches. Uh, it's it's a male war. It's being opposed by women, strong women, both individually in the home and organized. That's where the hope is. Um, do you think improving the educational system uh, would help? Do you think if we uh, improved high schools and junior colleges in those areas and got the next generation focused on education and not on drugs and violence. Do you think that's a possibility or is that just pie in the sky? No, I don't think it's pie in the sky 
at all, and thank you very, very much indeed. One of the, um, uh, uh, th there is, um, for all its apparent kind of wilderness and, 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 uh, and, and devil may care thing, there is a discipline in, 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 in Mexican societies, as I'm sure you know. Um, it, uh, th there is a religiosity, there is, there is a very strong sense of family, especially extended family, and that um, I came across this, and I should have written more about this, and it's an omission, and thank you very much. Um, th th there is, a, I mean, it's so ironic when, you know, kids in school in, in big cities in Britain and America, whatever, they oh, school, there's a yearning to go to school. Um, it, it's, it's, it's just that these cities uh, around the Machilas have been built in such a way that the infrastructure doesn't exist for the school to be there. I went with my friend Julian up to the top of the, of the Colonia, where, where Poniente, where, where he, he arrived from Zacatecas, and he looked, he's sort of a great semicircle. There's El Paso, this great semicircle of hills and dust and buses coming back from the Magiladoras and dogs, and he said, he said do, you, do you know how many high schools are in this, this, this panorama you can see? One. And you're absolutely spot on. Um, you know, there is the Merida Initiative. It's all about helicopters and ammunition and the army. And it, it may be the right thing to do. I don't know. Uh, I'm not so sure because of the number of people who then, you know, train up and then defect to the Zetas. But if you can school, there is a yearning to learn. And it's always the case. Uh, you mentioned Iraq. Um, in Iraq, you, you, you can see uh, uh, children in Pressed pinafores, carrying their books across rubble to go to school. The worse it gets, the more people want to learn. And that's actually something very, very important. And I think, I think that would probably make more of a difference than anything else. Thank you very much indeed. Could you touch on the guns? Because you talk about that a lot in the book. Yeah, the, the Iron River. Um, I'm, I'm, and I make this clear in the book too. Uh, you know, Europe coming to Texas and talking about guns is very boring sanctimonious, here comes another one. You know. But I love America too much to, to, to be like that. Yes, I have my views, and I don't particularly want to shoot a gun. Um, and, you know, I, I get annoyed by all this because, you know, the fact is that, uh, you know, 99% of people who own guns in the United States are completely honest citizens, and they just like having a gun, and they're entitled to have a gun. That's the law. Uh, you know, like it. If you don't like it, lump it, one says to the kind of Swedish, you know, moralist. But, but... If there's one thing that President Obama has achieved in this, it is to get that taboo out into the open and start talking about gun running. Um, it's pretty simple, really. Uh, no drugs, no war, but no guns, nothing to fight the war with. And yes, it's true that they're getting a lot of stuff from China through Lazaro Cardenas, and it's true that the heavy military gear isn't mainly coming out from Central America and Guatemala. But 90% of the weapons that have been actually traced to crimes have been traced back to Texas, Arizona, New Mexico, and California. Um, I'm not going to be a sanctimonious Euro gun basher, but what I will say is that it is of no great disadvantage to the cartels that uh, it is uh, important to the, to the identity of the four states that border Mexico um, that, that, that gun ownership is a sort of sacred cow. Um, I think things could be done. It is weird to go to a gun show in FAR in Texas, which is two miles from Reynosa, and to see all those AR-13s lined up for sale at bargain prices. And at the, at, well, you walk up the stairs, and for $20, 
there's a, there's a very nice little manual that tells you how to convert your legal semi-automatic AR-13 into a fully automatic AR-13 that you do not need to shoot ducks or antelope. Um, and, you know, one mustn't, just as one mustn't be sort of Eurosanctimonious, you mustn't do any racial either. But why do those guys with their buzz cuts and their tattoos need all this stuff, complete with Santissima Muerte, a mobile phone holder, and the fully auto uh, uh, manual. Um, it's it's uh, a child of ten could work this out, and uh, it is of. Uh, let me just let me say that, yes, it, it is of no disadvantage to the cartels that this situation exists. Hi, uh, could you touch a little bit more about the Colombian example? You know, that seems to be the model that uh, a lot of times is, is looked at as having gotten control back from the cartels. Do you see any parallels with, with Mexico, or do you think that it's just too too different of an infrastructure to to do a parallel? I have to plead relative ignorance on Colombia, um, <coughs> uh, but it, the, the, the comparison is often made. Um, I think that uh, the the differences are that the Colombian cut, the Medellin and the Cali stayed pretty much intact. They, they were they were sort of perversely negotiable with, as weirdly with the FARC, you know, there was some sort of structure with which Uribe could either round people up and decapitate, I mean, mean, figuratively, it's an unfortunate term in this discourse, um, uh, uh, and and cut deals with. Um, There was was a ridiculous evening, actually, it was almost comic in Ciudad Juarez, where... um, What's his name? Fajardo, the mayor of Medellin, came to give a talk. It was it was absurd. It, it was, the whole thing was set up like a kind of Eurovision song contest with sort of catchy pop song. Like, what is? What? You know, it was just absurd. And he came up with this line. Um, uh, he sort of put his jacket over his thing and a kind of sort of, you know, sort of Colombian Blair style and um, said, and he said um, that uh, at the moment Medellin is the most beautiful city in the world and the second is Mexico City but the second will be Ciudad Juarez and he showed us all these slides of wonderful sort of uh, Parque Bibliotecas that he'd won all sorts of architectural prizes for to all these enviable, envious sort of gasps. Now you just can't see many of those going up in Juarez in the near future. Um, I'm not answering your question but um, I, I I think Uribe had structures to, to, to either crack at or deal with. Um, the word is that Fajardo, you know, sort of cut some deal whereby it was sort of, you know, just if you stop, if you, if you stop doing it the old way, there's plenty of cement that needs mixing and a lot of concrete that needs mixing and there are plenty of building contracts, you know, and... and, and, and um, uh, but you see, there's no one to do a deal with in, in, in places like Juarez. I mean, you, who are you going to talk to? It's um, um, also, and it sounds odd, um, but 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 Colombia was a Mexico is a surface economy. <laughs> the, the Mexican cartels they make synthetic drugs, but they transport. Um, it's I think it's too fragmented now for that to do an Oripe. Thank you. I, I'm a little confused in that at the beginning of the talk you spoke. Uh, about how the, the the war, there's no cause for it. But yet, it seems like what we're talking about is that the, the cause of the war is the drug trade. Now, obviously, down at the lower level street folks, they're not they're getting their money ultimately from the money that's crossing in drugs. So it seems to be uh, a drug war is the problem. So I'd like to your comment on that. Is that really the problem, or is it something else? 
And if it is a drug war, why do you think that there are so many folks, including, I believe, ex-presidents of Mexico, supporting the legalization of marijuana, including a number of intellectuals and folks who've been involved in the war on drugs on our side of the border? Mm. Um, no, th thank you. And, it, and it's, it was me explaining myself badly. I, I apologize. I, I mean, it's, at, at its root, it's a drug war. Um, if, 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 if drugs were not consumed in the United States, it would not have started. Um, it is being fought between people who either deal in drugs or are out of their heads on drugs or both. Um, and, and for that, it's called a drug war. The reason I wanted to say that it's about nothing is, I mean, A, I, you know, drugs is a pretty vacuously awful thing to be having a war about in the first place. But then on the other hand, Britain and Germany fought a war in China over opium. <laughs> it's, it's nothing new. But... Um, but what, what I was trying to draw attention to really was this, was this which, which you hear over and over again from the intelligent people, um, the it, it, kudos, irrespective of the drugs. I was trying to really sort of talk about the, the violence for its own sake. Um, you, you, you don't need to um, decapitate people and hang them upside down by their ankles from a bridge. Um, in order to secure that piece of turf off the other cartel, um, you don't need to um, to, to um, sort of sexualize the violence against young women in the way that has been done. There is something gratuitously decadent about the violence per se, irrespective of this this root cause of drugs. Um, and the street folks, I think, as, as you say, I think they are doing it for the hell of it. That's my worst fear. I mean, drugs is the origin of it, yes. Um, the insatiable appetite in, 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 in this country and Europe is where it all started. But you feel it's, 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 become, it's achieved a sort of monstrous life of its own based on what I'm calling this post-modern, post-moral, post-political, post-ideological sort of aimless world where the violence is for its own sake. Um, so you're right, it, it is a drug war, but it is more and worse than a drug war. For more information about the World Affairs Council of Dallas-Fort Worth, visit them on the web at www.dfwworld.org.